Hello, and welcome back to the HSAC podcast. For those of you that don't know, we are the Harvard College of Sports Analytics Collective, a group of undergraduate students dedicated to the quantitative and statistical analysis of sports. We break down the numbers and advanced metrics behind all your favorite teams and players, trying to bring useful insights to the game. I'm David Arco, a sophomore at Harvard College, and today I'm lucky to be joined by two great guests and fellow HSAC members, Shiv Chandra and Elliot Chin. Shiv is a sophomore studying economics and has written articles ranking the best quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs of the last four decades. He's a fantasy football junkie as well as a Patriots fan. Elliot is a freshman studying statistics and has written articles about running back utilization and efficiency throughout the league, and also has a web app where users can create custom power rankings for NFL teams based on different statistical criteria, and he's a fan of the San Francisco 49ers. On this episode, we will be previewing the Super Bowl 56 matchup between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams, dissecting some of the key matchups in the game as they relate to analytics, and giving our predictions for who will be the ultimate NFL champion. And yeah, just a reminder to check out our last episode on the NFL playoff recap, which kind of gives some context heading into the Super Bowl, how these two teams have been playing, and other interesting storylines from the rest of the NFL playoffs. So yeah, I think a good place to start is kind of just talk about the historical context of this matchup and where these two teams, you know, stood going into the season. So obviously now we have an all number four seed matchup. The Bengals were the four seed in the AFC. The Rams were the four seed in the NFC. And at the outset of the season, the Bengals were plus 15,000 to win the Super Bowl. That's tied for third lowest in the league. And they had a projected six and a half wins. The Rams were plus 1,200, which was good for third highest in the league with a projected 10 and a half wins. So kind of interesting opposites there. Bengals third lowest, Rams third highest. And yeah, the last four seed to win a Super Bowl was the Baltimore Ravens in 2012, and the New York Giants also won the year before that in 2011. All these kind of facts kind of particularly speak to what we were talking about in our earlier episodes about the amount of parity this year in the NFL. And neither of these two teams is kind of seen as crazy, you know, outsider picks that pulled off lots and lots of crazy upsets to make the playoffs, and it's fluky. No, it's believable because these two teams have championship caliber players and that's why we have this kind of Super Bowl matchup which definitely many weren't expecting at the beginning of the year especially with the Bengals but now it's believable and yeah so I guess carrying over from our last episode into this one which team in the Super Bowl you think had the better championship game and has more momentum heading into the Super Bowl that's a good question I think I'd have to go with the Bengals both teams definitely have a whole lot of momentum owing to their unexpected rise throughout the playoffs and comebacks during their respective championship games. But I think because no one expected the Bengals to be to be here, their rise is uh, a little more powerful. And I don't know what impact the storylines actually have on the momentum that the teams feel moving into the Super Bowl, but the Bengals certainly have created one of the all-time Super Bowl storylines coming from, what was it, a five-seed, six-seed? Four seed. A four seed. Okay. Well, that's not as impressive. Coming from a four seed to the Super Bowl, but doing it through having to pass through some of the the best teams in the league, I think really makes their journey that much more powerful. Yeah, I think this is the um, first Super Bowl in a while where both teams definitely feel like underdogs. The Rams were the four seed, so were the Bengals. I think this is the first time ever that the two Super Bowl teams are four seeds or lower. Um, which obviously is an increased probability with uh, seven seeds now. Yeah, I I would agree. I think that the Bengals have more momentum, but 
I also think like the Rams keep finding ways to win. Stafford, I think, was the really big question mark at the end of the season. Like if Stafford plays well, then the Rams can really make a run. If he doesn't, they're kind of screwed. He's had like a play here or there where it hasn't been great, but like in crunch time and the in the end of games, he's been on and him and Cooper Cup have a crazy connection and OBJ is coming on now and they all their stars in LA. It's a recipe for more and more momentum the past few weeks. Even though I think probably the momentum is with the Bengals, I, I think it's really close between the two. Yeah, I think they've both faced similar schedules. I just checked like the ELO on 538 of the opponents they face. It's basically within like eight points. So very comparable strength of opponent, I guess. Obviously different rounds are different. But for me, I'd say maybe the Rams a little bit, especially the last one for the Bengals. It wasn't fluky. They definitely came back, but they were down by a lot. Whereas the Rams, they handled the Cardinals easily. And they played the Bucks. They were handling them, let them kind of come back, but that's okay. It's Tom Brady. And they, and they closed them out at the end. Then last week they came back within a reasonable score. It wasn't a crazy deficit to overcome. So they've kind of done it all different ways. Not to pick on the Bengals. They have, you know, it was a reasonably close game against the Raiders, which is not the toughest team. The Titans were kind of, they're not shorthanded, but the Titans might be kind of a, a fake with number one seed. And that was also a close game, but still a good win. And the Chiefs was very impressive to come back from that, but they did, they were in that massive hole. So I think more momentum, they look more complete. I think I'd have to say the Rams, but again, momentum can only take you so far as we've seen from many of these teams that the Packers kind of just falling flat on their face, the Chiefs, so momentum can only take you so far. I was going to say, I wonder, like, we made so much of the fact that there was only one team with a bye in each conference, the Titans, the Packers. I wonder if it almost was a bad thing for them because they lost their momentum. And it seems like all these teams that were coming in had this underdog mentality, had the momentum with them, the Bengals against the Titans, the 49ers against the Packers. I think it honestly was just bad matchups for both teams. It was kind of a nightmare scenario for both the uh, Bengals, especially the Packers. But yeah, I think it's it just an, an interesting kind of thought experiment. The two teams that, you know, we thought just had the highest chance of getting to the Super Bowl solely because of their number one seed in the bye, like didn't even make it out of their first game. Kind of to bring this full circle back to our discussion, the very first question about kind of the playoff thoughts on the expanded playoff. I saw a proposal, this is related to MLB, the new contract negotiations about having an expanded playoff and having kind of the number, the top two teams being able to pick which of the wildcard teams they play in the first round. I think that'd be even more prevalent in a matchup-based sport like football where matchups matter a lot. Whereas if you get, there could be another tinkering in the system where if you get the top seed or top two seeds, I don't know how this would work. You can select your wild card opponent instead of having seedings. Whereas, you know, some would say that the, the Niners as a sixth seed were stronger than the Cowboys as a three seed as they won, or just things like that. So you would be able to pick maybe one team's better for your mat- matchup in a certain way. You as a higher seed would be able to choose, hey, we want to play you instead of we don't want to play this team. So that's just another thought. Yeah. I, I think that that would be crazy. I would love to see that. I think that would make for really amazing matchups. You would also probably see teams picking intentionally for rivalries and picking intentionally for more exciting games. For example, if the 49ers were highly seeded, I could easily see them picking the Rams, expecting to dominate them yet again. And perhaps that happening or perhaps something going wrong. 
And just in general, I think we'd increase engagement in the sport overall. I wonder like who's having that discussion? Is it the coach, the GM, the owners all together? Is it like way more say comes from the owners this time? Cause you know, like Jerry Jones is like, ah, oh, I want to play like in LA. I want to play against the Rams, even if that's a bad matchup. And Mike McCarthy is telling him, please, no, I don't want to like, that would be really, really interesting to see how that would play out in the NFL. And I, I didn't even know that was happening in the MLB. That'd be, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, just more tinkering, more ideas. But I think that transitions nicely to the next question about analytics and making decision-making, I guess. So of these two teams, the Bengals and the Rams, which would you say is more analytics savvy and why? I would say that I think the Bengals are definitely more analytics savvy. And I would say, especially on their defense, I think their offense is pretty much like we're going to, have Joe Burrow throw it 45 times and we're just going to say like, screw it, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Uzama, who hopefully is, uh, hopefully is okay for the Super Bowl. They're going to beat you one-on-one and we're not really too worried about our scheme. The Bengals defense used to be early in the season, way more simple. And especially against Mahomes, second half of that game, they got really, really, really creative. And I think that's why he was so off his spot. They, rush three they put eight in coverage and we're uh we're switching people around weren't sure who was coming there was no one to throw to they were doubling Tyreek playing man their defense especially has just gotten really creative and really uh looked into analytics meanwhile on the the other side the Rams are really more just like we went all in money wise to get the best talent and the best players in the NFL we weren't as worried about scheme or fit or anything like that we were just like we're gonna get the best players they're gonna figure it out together and it's been working out so far i mean cooper cup obj ramsey especially aaron donald last play of the game i mean they've been coming up in big moments and sean McVay made some really 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 questionable decisions and calls towards the end of that game especially with a lot of the challenges i think it goes towards the bengals but even zach taylor wasn't making some great decisions with his analytics on offense I don't think either one is is really at the forefront of analytics. I agree that neither team stands out to me as a team that is more analytics focused really than the rest of the league. But the thing is, both have young head coaches who are on the rise, um, even in the coach of the year discussions with Zach Taylor and Sean McVay. And I think because of that, both of them are adopting very creative schemes and very creative play calling. And actually, that's kind of what causes me to tilt more towards the Rams as a more analytic team. In watching the Rams versus 49ers game, I saw a lot of very interesting decisions from Sean McVay, which I think quite possibly had some sort of analytical backing. We saw stuff uh, you don't normally see in an NFL game anymore, like flea flickers, uh, an abundance of screen passes. And just overall, uh, I think Sean McVay was leaning into more unconventional play calling. One, likely because he knew he was facing Kyle Shanahan, who he's faced many times before, so he had to reach into his bag of tricks. But also because I think he probably recognized that those plays analytically, um, even if they're more risky and less commonly used from an analytic perspective, are just as favorable. Now, another thing I want to bring into discussion, this is less about which team is more analytical, but more about what do the analytics say about each team, is that if we look at a recent article just published on the HSAC blog, which is on NFL team rankings, and when we look at some of the different stats and we can use them to compare the Bengals and Rams, the Rams actually come out on top on almost every single statistic. 
they're very close in terms of how effective their passing games are and, and how effective their pass defenses are. But when it comes to the run game, the Rams are way ahead. When it comes to first downs, the Rams are way ahead. And just in general, the Rams have analytically proven to be a much more comprehensive team where the Bengals are more relying solely on their passing attack. And because of that, because of this well-rounded nature of the Rams team, even though a lot of that is just hinging upon their star power, that's going to give them more of a a boost when it comes to analytically deciding which team is better. Yeah, I think... Elliot mentioned the the article that we just published. Shout out to Elliot and Nick Lopez. It's an article and it's a great app too. You can kind of like play around with different weights for all these different metrics and kind of create your own custom power rankings based on what you think makes a team good and what makes a team better. There's all these different metrics you can use and kind of create your own and see where teams rank, where they stack up in different areas. So it's a great way to like holistically and statistically compare different teams. So yeah, I think Elliot hit on all the key numbers and things like that. And we'll kind of dive into the deep matchups position group by position group. But I think just to um, not analytically speaking, but I think these two teams are built very different, well, differently. So one, one hand, you have the Bengals and the AFC and they're, they're built through the draft. All their main contributors were drafted by the Bengals. That's Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, T Higgins, their best defensive player, Trey Hendrickson. They, they're all picked through the draft. Whereas the Rams, like Shiv said, they're all built through trades, kind of going all in. An approach we've seen more in basketball where you kind of trade for all these superstars. We're seeing the Rams bring that to the NFL a little bit and trading high-value picks for proven superstars like Matthew Stafford, Odell Beckham. Well, he was picked up on waivers, but Vaughn Miller, Jalen Ramsey, all these superstar names were mostly picked up on the Rams were acquired through trades. And both can work. And we're seeing kind of the different ways of winning in the NFL. But yeah, with that, I think we can start diving into the specific matchups of the Super Bowl. So I think the way we're going to do this, a good way is just to kind of go position group by position group um, and just see which, where each team has the edge. So I guess the way to start is with the most prominent one quarterback with Matthew Stafford versus Joe Burrow. Yeah, I think this one is uh, pretty clear, especially for me. Uh, Joe Burrow is arguably even though we didn't talk about him in this conversation, the uh, MVP of the playoffs so far. I mean, first season as a starter, just the, I think the most impressive part about him is uh, he doesn't seem to be faced at all, not only by the moment, but like by pressure. His offensive line is a turnstile, especially against the Rams. He's going to get a lot of pressure from Donald and Von Miller and stuff. And he's going to have to stand in there and, and make some big throws. And I think he's capable of doing that. I actually think that Matthew Stafford might be the better quarterback of the two. Firstly, just owing to his huge experience in the sport. I think that's going to come in clustering the Super Bowl. But also, if we look at the statistics, not necessarily during the regular season, but during the postseason of both Burrow and Stafford, Matthew Stafford's statistics are pretty uniformly better than Burrow's. He has an average rating of 115 compared to Burrow's 96. And he's also has a six to one touchdown to interception ratio compared to Burroughs four to two. I think without a doubt, the factors that you mentioned, Shiv, in Burroughs' turnstile of an offensive line definitely hurts his numbers. And the race between Burrow and Stafford is a lot closer than the statistics would indicate. But I still think that overall, Stafford is the better quarterback. And despite some of the troubles he's had adjusting to LA this year, I think he's definitely the quarterback of the future for the Rams. 
not gonna lie, that is a flaming hot take in my opinion. I think Burrow is like head and shoulders right now above Stafford in his play. I mean, Stafford, like you said, almost threw away the game just this past weekend. He's, I feel like he's had a dropped in reception in like almost every game this season. So the point about his veteran knowledge that Joe Burrow will not have for another 10 years is definitely a good point. I think Stafford has kind of throughout the year had higher expectations than Burrow, which makes it feel like he's not living up to them as much because people expected the Rams to be Super Bowl contenders from the get-go. And for a while during the second half of the season, it didn't really look like that. Whereas, I mean, Joe Burrow is this rising star weeks, like 16, 17, 18, he was just lighting it up. Uh, again, I think the race is a lot closer than most people would say. And if you just look at the, I mean, the statistics from postseason games, I think Stafford has been playing a lot better. He has had those dropped interceptions, but the Jimmy Ward dropped interception, I actually think, was not necessarily Stafford's fault. I mean, obviously, it should have been an easy interception for Ward, but that was after kind of the bounced around off the Rams receiver. I mean, the other Niners defender, I think that was actually a catchable ball the Rams receiver could have made the play on. I mean, I think they're fairly close. I don't think the gap is as big as Shiv is saying, but I, I would also probably lean towards Joe Burrow. I think thing about Stafford is sometimes you get kind of a bimodal performance. He can play really well, but then he can also, like Elliot said, have those struggling performances like he had in the season, turning the ball over a lot. So I think I'd maybe rather have Joe Burrow. He seems a little bit more consistent. And so, but yeah, we don't know what Stafford we're going to get. If we get the one who's been playing like he has in the playoffs and the Rams, that would be great for them. But if you get one that, you know, makes those bad decisions and throws two interceptions, that could really hurt them. So just for that, I might give the slight edge to Burrow. But yeah, now we can move to... Oh, Ellie, go ahead. Also, wait, I want to retract what I just said about Jimmy Ward. Because first of all, it was tart. And second of all, the interception uh, was a horrible throw by Stafford. So... You just watched the highlight? I did just watch the highlight, and I realized I was completely misremembering it as a different play. Well, Jimmy Ward had the interception on the first drive of the game. Yes. Yeah, that was pretty atrocious by Stafford. I'm just saying, if that second interception, which literally, like, any one of the three of us probably could have caught, if that had been an interception and they lost that game, you have Matthew Stafford throws two interceptions in playoff game, that they totally could have won and maybe lost because of him, which I agree. Granted, they also won because of him, but it's a very different storyline if that is caught and Stafford's entire legacy gets flipped over if that's caught and they lose that game. That's totally true. But at the same time, I mean, it's an entirely different story if Patrick Mahomes doesn't completely choke. And that would have nothing to do with Joe Burrow playing any differently. But I think we would be sitting here saying Joe Burrow's, I mean, a fantastic quarterback, but uh, he's really not cut out for a Super Bowl quite yet. The interceptions are kind of a, not a fluky stat, but they're definitely like a little bit of a fluky stat. And they already have, you know, metrics that measure what, an interception worthy pass or things like that. that do a better job of keeping track of how accurate a quarterback is and how prone they are to turnovers than the raw number of interceptions themselves. But with that, I think we can move on to the next position group. So running back. So for the Rams, there's Cam Akers and Sony Michelle. And then for the Bengals, Joe Mixon. So I think conventional wisdom would say that the Rams running attack is much stronger. So Cam Akers and Sony Michelle come out on top. But I would actually disagree with that. I think without a doubt, the Rams have a much more solid run game than the Bengals. 
but I would personally attribute that a lot more to the Rams' much more solid offensive uh, offensive line compared to the actual running backs. And there's a couple of reasons why. First is Joe Mixon throughout his career, I mean, he's been a consistent mid to top tier running back, not best of the best, but he's consistently been solid. That indicates a lot about his longevity and the fact that he's just a consistent runner who the Bengals can depend on, as well as the fact that I don't think Cam Akers and Sony Michelle are actually that good. Cam Akers definitely, not this season, but last season, had a fantastic rookie season. When you look at his numbers compared to other Rams running backs that season, such as, um, I believe, Henderson and um, one other back, we actually have an article about this. What you see is that Cam Akers isn't actually a better runner um, than other people who are running behind the same offensive line. I mean, I think a similar uh, argument can be made for Sony Michelle as well. I mean, on the Patriots, he wasn't all that fantastic. And when running backs get traded teams, they don't suddenly become better. They just get better offensive lines. So because of that, I would lean towards Joe Mixon, despite the fact that overall, I would believe in the Rams running attack much more um, than the Bengals. I agree that Joe Mixon is much better than he gets credit for, but I would uh, I would go with the the tandem of Cam Akers and Sonny Michelle in in a vacuum too, because I think I, I know this is coming from a analytics podcast. Might be a hot take of me to say this, but I test Cam Akers has really been popping the past couple of games, which is absurd to say considering he tore his Achilles six months ago. I think he's a better receiver um, and maybe a slightly less good, just pure runner. But like, I think his receiving, you can literally put him out wide as a receiver essentially. And he can catch over the shoulder fades. He's like catching balls 30, 40 yards down the field. I think that adds a completely different dimension, not to mention Sony Michelle is a really good pass blocking running back. And I think that that's going to be uh, necessary with some of the looks that Stafford gets thrown and uh, he's going to need, he's going to need some pass protection to, uh, give them some time to throw. They're going to keep each other fresh throughout the game. You know, high intensity, everybody's adrenaline rushing. It's going to give them some time to cool off on the sidelines, come back in with a clear mind. I think uh, that whole tandem back thing really puts them over the edge for me. I don't think there'll be a big factor in this game. So even though maybe one or two has the edge, but I don't know if that'll be kind of the deciding factor at the end. And with that, probably a more influential, more interesting kind of debate is wide receivers. So for the Rams, there's obviously Cooper Cup, which we mentioned, Odell Beckham, Van Jefferson, and then for the Bengals, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and then actually interesting, the tight the starting tight ends for both of these teams, Tyler Higby on the Rams and CJ Uzoma of the Bengals are both questionable for the game. And they both suffered MCL sprains in their respective conference championships. So both of the same injuries injury both questionable for the game, but neither of them, they're both solid tight ends, but neither of them, you know, your George Kittles um, or your Travis Kelsey's. But yeah, I guess considering the receiving cores as a whole, who would you guys rather have? I think they were both in the first quarter injuries too, which is just a coincidences. But yeah, I, I think this one is probably the closest of all the matchups, arguably the two best wide receiving cores in the NFL right now. If you add Robert Woods to that, just imagine the, uh, but I think even without that, I would probably, if I was to pick a receiver for next season, I would probably pick Jamar Chase over Cooper Cup and Odell, which is a pretty crazy thing to say. But I think right below Jamar Chase, I would pick Cooper Cup. And then 
not too far below that. I would pick Odell after that again. Collectively, those three with Van Jefferson being able to take the top off the defense a little bit, I, I think I would take the uh, three receivers for the Rams. I think I would lead in this lean in the same direction. It's definitely an incredibly close comparison. I think what it comes down to is less of an individual comparison because I think it's pretty much consensus that Cup and Chase are both insane wideouts. OBJ is right behind, and then T. Tiggins and Tyler Board are top tier, and Fran Jefferson in another league of his own in a negative way. Um, and I think what it comes down to then is not necessarily a comparison between the direct receivers, but just a comparison of it's, is it better to have two top tier receivers and one mediocre one, or three receivers who are not playing as well as the aforementioned two receivers, but are still all very solid. And that's something that comes down to the individual matchups for the cornerbacks in terms of is the team we're playing against. Do they have two top cornerbacks um, and one who you can exploit or are all their cornerbacks quite solid and it's better just to have more people out there or it's better just to have two people out there who you know can blow the tops off um, of the cornerbacks. And I don't honestly know enough about the defensive roster of the Rams and Bengals to make that call. But just looking at the names, I think it's pretty clear to me that Cup and OBJ have the star power that Jamar Chase, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd just don't quite have yet. I will say to counter that and to counter my own point <laughs> is that I would say Jamar Chase is the most explosive out of all six of these, seven of these, whoever it is. I think he's the one out of all of these. If you give him a screen pass, he can take it to the house as opposed to like Cooper cup is going to route you up, run by you down the field. But like, he's not going to take a screen pass 60 yards past everyone. And neither really is OBJ, but both of them are, great route runners also like play much faster than they run uh, like a 40 yard time. I think there could be a game changing play where Burrow is about to get sacked, throws it off to the side, looks like it's going to be a five yard gain and chase makes three guys miss and goes for a 60 yard touchdown where I don't see that happening as much with cup and Odell. I think it's, it's much more as we saw with Baker and we saw with Jared Goff. I think it's, they're a little bit more quarterback dependent. So I think in a vacuum, I might take Chase Higgins and Boyd, but in this game, I'm going to go with Cup and Odell. I think both of you guys are good points. I'll just say it's a push for me. I don't know. But it's hard to analyze, like Shiv said, it's hard to analyze things in a vacuum. So I think what leading into the next segment to talk about, which is the unit that's most directly impacted by the wide receiver, obviously besides the quarterback on the other side of the ball, is kind of the secondary. And we don't have to go through the players because there's a lot and you know, there's your stars like Jalen Ramsey, but yeah. So for the secondary, that's like corners and safeties who has the better, you know, pass defense of these two teams. This is actually probably the closest push for me out of all these matchups. If we look at safeties first, Jesse Bates and uh, Von Bell for the Bengals have been playing lights out. The two of them are the ones who created the uh, interception on, Tyreek in the overtime. Both of them are captains of that defense. On the other hand, Ramsey obviously is probably the best secondary player out of both teams combined. The other two corners, Darius Williams and David Long, kind of short, not incredible in pass coverage. I think that they're going to have a lot of trouble with especially T. Higgins. I mean, T. Higgins is like 6'4", 6'5", huge wingspan. I think it's going to be really hard for them to cover him. I look for Higgins to have a really big game in the same way 
that last game, the Bengals, I think like Higgins had a bigger game than Chase because they were so worried about Chase that they put their second best corner on Higgins and he kind of torched them. So it's a bad matchup for the Rams, but I think I'm going to go Bengals here because of how well the safeties have been playing and how well the scheme worked against Mahomes. I think if you can stop Mahomes, Kelsey and Tyree kill for that second half, just by playing basically cover defense, I am going to have to put a lot of respect on that. I think I agree that it's very close. I think I lean in the other direction towards the Rams. Um, I think having Jalen Ramsey, who hasn't lived up to his potential in terms of the trade, but is still playing very solid defense, gives the Rams a bit of a boost. And I think in terms of exploitableness, Eli Apple on the Bengals is actually going to be someone who the Rams can send receivers at and target quite a bit. Uh, I think what it's going to come down to is not necessarily who has the best cornerbacks who can make plays and get interceptions, because I don't think either quarterback is going to be throwing a lot of those, but also who has the worst holes in their defense. And to me, that's the Bengals, Eli Apple, and I think the Rams are going to be able to get either Cup or OBJ um, into some one-on-ones on him and get some big plays off. Yeah, I read an article, or I read something this week talking about the specific matchups that Jalen Ramsey plays or the Rams, and I guess Jalen Ramsey plays a lot more zone coverage. So it's not like he'll be chasing Jamar Chase around the field, playing him. So we'll see if the Bengals can kind of get him to certain spots and keep him away from Jalen Ramsey and, and avoid turnovers. I think that's probably a big thing is any any one given game, like any one or two turnovers can be especially critical. I don't know which way we'll go, but I think that will change the game. And then, yeah, I think lastly for the defense or defense and offense together. So the battle for the trenches. So the two matchups are the, the Rams line versus the Bengals D line who wins that battle. And then the Bengals offensive line versus the Rams defensive line who wins that battle. So I think both battles are going to be won pretty solidly by the Rams, definitely on the defensive front for the Rams. Like we mentioned a couple of times, the Bengals offensive line is absolutely atrocious. Um, but I think also on the offensive side for the Rams, I think their O-line is a lot more solid, kind of as it indicated by uh, the severity of their rushing attack. Now, one thing I think that's kind of an interesting tidbit to point out is that on the, the aforementioned HSAC article about team rankings based on various metrics, if we rank teams based on recent games, based on sacks, the Rams come in second place in terms of sack differential so how good they are creating sacks and how good they are preventing sacks and the Bengals come in dead last I think that's pretty damning in terms of indicating how the Bengals are going to fare against the Rams pretty pretty clearly the Bengals are going to be screwed against the Rams defensive line I mean Aaron Donald's gonna can probably swallow three of their offensive linemen at once they could probably just rush him and get pressure honestly but in all seriousness the Rams definitely win their defense versus the Bengals O-line. It's much closer. The um, Bengals D-line against the Rams offensive line. I think the Rams offensive line is a bit overrated. I think the Bengals defensive line is a bit underrated. I think Trey Hendrickson and uh, Sam Hubbard can uh, both get a lot of pressure, uh, more so than they've been given credit for. Stafford won't be comfortable and they will be able to get pressure on him with four rather than having to blitz him. He's actually quite good against the blitz. You just throw it up to Cooper Cup, and Cup finds a, a spot in the zone. 
But if you can get consistent pressure with four, that's where Stafford has more problems. But yeah, I, I would give the Rams the edge on both slightly. I probably agree with you guys. The one thing I will say to push back against, or not push back against those conclusions, but just say that people I think are making a bigger deal out of the Bengals offensive line than it is. Yes, it is the worst statistically, and that is true. But I think for a quarterback like Joe Burrow, who's really good at, you know, improvisation and, and kind of, as he's shown in the last game, kind of getting out of those sticky situations and finding his guy, the impact is not as detrimental. Say for a quarterback like Jimmy G or someone else who is not as good under pressure and kind of panics and scrambles like he did in that last game, when the Rams brought the pressure, it is much more detrimental than someone for like Joe Burrow. So while the statistically they give him more sacks and things like that, I don't think the impact is as bad as it could be. I mean, he's just shown he won that game against the Titans with nine sacks. So I think it will play a role, but I think people might be overlooking. It might be saying, oh, the Rams are just going to get so much pressure on him. He's not going to be able to do anything when they might be overweighting how that's going to impact the game. So that's my one pushback against that. I definitely agree with that, David. I think also uh, as long as the Bengals keep them a little bit honest, not even with the run game necessarily, but with screen game, Von Miller won't be able to rush all the time and will have to focus on that flat a little bit more and drop into coverage a little bit more. Same with Leonard Floyd. And Chris Jones, Frank Clark is no joke. And they only let up one sack. I mean, mostly that was on Burrow, just pretty magic man. Yeah, it was pretty impressive how they held up against the underrated, pretty formidable uh, Kansas City defense. Yeah, and I think we're getting into our last, well, last player matchup is obviously after that Packers 49ers game, we can't forget about special teams because that could change the game, probably will, but it could. Um, so yeah, who has the better special teams? Shooter. It's got to be Shooter McPherson. He's just been, we've already talked about it. I think this is probably the most that any podcast has ever talked about a kicker. He's just been lights out. Uh, Matt Kay's been hurt a little bit the last couple of games. It missed some field goals. So uh, I think general special teams definitely goes to the Bengals. I would tend to agree with that. I can't say I'm super well-versed on much other than Evan McPherson. And I think that he's definitely the better kicker than uh, Matt Gay. One interesting tidbit on the punting side of things is that the Bengals are actually very close to the middle of pack in terms of punt rating and punt return rating. Uh, the Rams are a bit worse at punting, but they're getting close to the middle of pack. And I think what that shows is we're not going to have, or there's going to be a very low chance of fluky plays like we saw with the Green Bay Packers and 49ers that could make the game more exciting and also completely turn the tide of the game. So I think definitely Bengals have the edge because of McPherson, but it it's a small edge and it's one that ultimately probably won't end up mattering all too much. Yeah, I agree. It is fun to see a kicker making these storylines. So that'll be fun to watch in the Super Bowl. Potential Super Bowl MVP. We'll get into that. But our last matchup is not a player one. It's obviously we talked about with analytics earlier is the, is the coaching matchup. Who would you rather have as your coach, Sean McVay or Zach Taylor? I'd rather have Zach Taylor. That is mostly because I'm a 49ers fan and in small part because I think he's one of the best coaches this year. He's found a way to take Burrow from a pretty mediocre rookie and turn him into the gunslinging rising star that he is now. I think that says a lot about him kind of as someone who can develop these quarterbacks and implement quality passing schemes into the game. Sean McVay, of course, is like the, the quintessential 
offensive genius. And I believe, I believe Zach Taylor might even come from the McVeigh tree. I'm not sure on that though. Yeah, Shiv's nodding. But yeah, I'll take the young buck instead of the the old 30-year-old Sean McVeigh. <laughs> Yeah, 36-year-old Sean McVay, who's going to his second Super Bowl, and people are saying that if he wins, he might pull a uh, John Madden and retire and go into broadcasting and make a ton more money and with for a lot less stress. I, I don't see that happening now that he has his uh, quarterback of the future and the, the guy that he's really wanted for a long time. I could not disagree more with Elliot on this one. Zach Taylor is a great, like, from from what I can see, like it seems to be more of like a great like motivator, a great you know like us against the world mentality. Like he's he's got he's really like he's got this team that should objectively not be here to this point, and so I got to give him a lot of credit for that. I don't really give him that much credit for Joe Burrow's ascension. Burrow has has since his last season at LSU kind of been this guy who's just like completely cold in the most high pressure moments. I think that's just part of his DNA, and I, I don't know how much that is Zach Taylor. I'd also say, like, Zach Taylor had some pretty questionable play calling happening in the first and second half of the last game, and I think Joe Burrow was, if anything, kind of overcoming some of that play calling. A lot of, like, first down runs for absolutely no reason, and having Burrow bail him out on second and third down after getting, like, a yard. So I think McVeigh will have a little bit of creativity, a little bit of, uh, I, I think now that he's got the, the Shanahan thing off his back, that really bugs him that Shanahan kind of has his number. I think now that he's got that off his back, he's going to go in not being conservative, do a bunch of crazy stuff, get cup open, get OBJ open. I'm looking forward to see what, what he pulls out. But what they do need to do is they need to fire immediately whoever was telling him to challenge all of those plays that he challenged that were just awful challenges that totally could have lost them the games because they had no timeouts towards the end of the game because of that. Other than that, I take Sean McVay all day. I agree with Shiv. I think the point that Shiv made about the the challenging of the timeouts, I even I remember reading, I think it was an article on 538 about how coaches like burn unnecessary timeouts, you know, for, I don't know, having too many men on the field or not having to place it up correctly, kind of like wasted timeouts, not timeouts that you use it then to conserve clock and things like that. But I think McVeigh led the NFL in, in wasted timeouts uh, defined in terms of expected points at it. So he cost his team kind of the most, but even then it wasn't really super impactful. So while he was egregious in that sense, it's not super impactful, but I do think he still is a better coach. X's and O's scheme wise. So I give him that edge. And then also the Rams coaching staff as a whole, um, their offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell and the defensive coordinator, Raheem Morris are both being interviewed for head coaching positions. So I think as a whole, they probably have definitely the better, more experienced coaching staff, but the Bengals still have a good coaching staff. It's, it's not a weakness with that. We can move into the final segment. Uh, we talked about our playoff MVP earlier. And now we're going to talk about picks for Super Bowl MVP. So obviously this sort of depends on who wins the game because they don't give the MVP to a losing team. So this will sort of, you can maybe give one for each team if you think, or you can sort of commit to one and this will kind of tie you into the next question. So yeah, who's your Super Bowl MVP? If the Rams win, I think that Cup will get it as more of like a season playoff big culminating award deal because I think if they do win, he's going to have to have a huge game. I think if Stafford does have a huge game, 
that means Cup will have a massive game too. So I think Cup will end up getting it. And I think if the Bengals win, it won't necessarily be that Jamar Chase has a massive game. Burrow can have a really big game, four touchdowns, 400 yards type deal without having a 200-yard game from Chase. I would say Burrow if the Bengals win, Cup if the Rams win. Yep, I would agree completely with that. I think even if Cup doesn't have a massive game, the voters are still going to give it to him just for everything he's done throughout the season and postseason. And given that he's probably not going to win the league MVP, they're going to reward him for the Super Bowl MVP. Um, and then, yeah, definitely Joe Burrow on the Bengals. Which, if it did include the playoffs, I think he probably would win league MVP. But I think that does go to Rodgers. I think you're right. Yeah, I just looked at the odds right now, and Cup is third, obviously, behind the two quarterbacks at plus 600, which is pretty good for a wide receiver. Then fourth is Aaron Donald, then Jamar Chase, Odell, and then so on. Um, but yeah, I'd say I think Cup should, but I'm just going to say Stafford because I feel like they might. The odds are in Stafford's favor, but I think Cup is also deserving. Yeah, a fun fact there is a Super Bowl. MVP playing in this game. Do either of you know who it is? Von Miller. Yep, correct. Yeah. That was a good little good little piece of trivia. Yeah, Von Miller, the Super Bowl MVP for the Broncos. And he's actually like seventh or eighth on the list. So we'll see. Who knows? He could be a two-time defensive Super Bowl MVP. I don't see it going to a defensive player this time. If it does, probably Aaron Donald, but I, I don't really see it happening. I agree. I tend to think that's going to be a shootout. And with that, the last question, final prediction for the Super Bowl and give a scoreline too. Um, I'm going to go Rams. I think Rams 34 to 24. That's a big spread. Wow, that is a really big spread. Yeah. Well, so the, the interesting thing is I was doing some looking on betting sites before this because it's trying to get a sense of what the expected spread is. And the odds for Rams winning by a lot, so, so the line is, I believe, four and a half. The odds, for example, of Rams winning minus seven and a half are more favorable than, for example, the Bengals losing by one and a half. So even though the spread is at negative four and a half for the Rams, odds makers expect a higher chance of the Rams surpassing that by... Uh, a little bit than for the Bengals to themselves to surpass that by a little bit. The odds are even at minus four and a half, but as you move away in varying directions, the odds get more favorable for the Rams faster than they do for the Bengals. That's really interesting. I'm also going to pick the Rams to win. I think it's going to be closer though. I think it's going to end up being a three or four point game. So I'm going to go Rams 27, Bengals 24. I think that the Rams get out to a bit of a lead and the Bengals come back, keep it close. I think that Burrow's just going to be a little bit too overwhelmed during the day with that pass rush. Not that the moment's going to be too big for him. I think the moment might be a little bit too big for uh, Zach Taylor and just the team as a whole. Yeah, I think I'm pretty similar. I think Last year, we did not have consensus on the Chiefs versus Bucks. We had Tucker um, was the one person as a Pats fan to pick the Bucks. But this year, I think it appears that we'll all have consensus. I will also pick the Rams. And for a score, I think 
I'd say 30 to 23. Also kind of like shit, the touchdown game. I'll be rooting for the Rams. I'm from Los Angeles, but not a Rams fan, but a pseudo Rams fan, I guess you could say. So I'll be rooting for the city of LA and for the Rams, I guess in a home game somewhat. We'll see what the end attendance numbers are, but it should be a fun game. Considering the uh, the past six games, uh, if that has anything to show for it, it might be one of the best Super Bowls of all time. So, yeah, I sure hope so. That'd be really nice. Well, yeah. If you guys don't have anything else to add, thanks for joining me. This was a great little series we did on the NFL. Um, we've had multiple episodes. I'd encourage you guys to all check out all of them. And yeah, check out uh, some of Shiv's articles on our website. Check out Elliot's articles, his his new app, which is really interesting. Really cool. Play around with that. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode. And yeah, enjoy the Super Bowl. Thanks, David. And uh, what a great NFL season we've had. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, guys.